Hello, everyone, and welcome back to the Van Maren Show on LifeSiteNews.com. My name is Jonathan Van Maren, and those of you who have been following along with this show will know that I believe one of the most serious issues our culture faces is the issue of digital pornography. And one of the reasons I emphasize this to Christians and to our communities so much is that although the Christian community faces many many threats from the outside. Most of those threats we discuss on this podcast almost every week. There are also internal threats that can destroy us. Pornography has the ability to destroy the marriages, the families, the communities, and the churches that the Christian community needs to survive. Pornography can tear us apart from the inside. And one of the reasons it's so important to talk about pornography is that so many people aren't talking about pornography even though pornography is one of the number one threats. Like I've said before, uh, if you add the hours of pornography into days, the days into months, the months into years, the number of years of pornography that were viewed just on the websites owned by Pornhub in 2016 are 524,641 years. The age of first exposure to porn keeps on dropping. And I've had so many parents contact me uh, through my writing at lifesightnews.com, at thebridgehead.ca, we've done interviews with former porn stars on this podcast, and they've said, okay, you've convinced us that this is a problem. What next? What do we do to protect our families? How do we ensure that our kids don't get pulled into this horrifying addiction? And that's why today I'm going to be talking to Kristen Jensen of the organization Protect Young Minds. She is the best-selling author of Good Pictures, Bad Pictures, Porn Proofing Today's Young Kids, and Good Pictures, Bad Pictures Junior, A Simple Plan to Protect Young Minds. Just to give you a bit of background on Kristen, she serves as the Prevention Task Force of the National Coalition on Sexual Exploitation. She received her bachelor's degree in English Literature and her master's degree in Organizational Communication. She grew up in both Wyoming and Massachusetts, is the mother of three children, and currently lives with her husband in beautiful Washington State, where she works to help parents porn-proof their homes and porn-proof their children. And so to answer the many questions we have received from parents on what you can do in your own homes and with your own children, here is a conversation with Kristen Jensen of Protect Young Minds. Uh, just to start off, because I think it's so important that people understand the urgency of the discussion uh, that we're having today, can you explain to our listeners, you know, based on your experience and all of the research that you've done, why it's so important for kids not just to talk to their teenagers about pornography, but actually to protect their children from pornography? Because I, uh, when I give uh, lectures on the subject, have a very easy time persuading parents of teenagers that this is something that they should be on the lookout for. I have a very difficult time conveying to parents that they need to be protecting arming, equipping their kids at a very, very young age, unfortunately, in this day and age? Yeah, well, um, when you think about it, pornography is so, so very prevalent and accessible on the Internet. So, um, and we, what we, I think what parents think is that, you know, kids aren't going to be interested in this stuff, right? They're, they're not yet, you know, uh, they don't have their hormones going, and so they won't be interested. But that's a myth, right? Right. That 
kids actually are very curious because we live in a sexualized, a hyper-sexualized world. So parents have been living in this world and it's been gradually getting more and more sexualized and we are kind of, um, you know, we tuned out some of this or we've become desensitized. But children are not desensitized and they have all these sexual cues coming at them and they realize that they need to figure out what this is. You know, they hear a joke. Right. They, you know, and they, they don't know what this is and they don't like, you know, with their peers to not be in the know. So um, it's really, uh, then what happens is they're curious. Mm-hmm. And if their parents aren't there teaching them from a young age, not only, you know, what sex is, um, the mechanics of sex, but also the purpose of sex and their values around it. Um, and then the toxic opposite, which is pornography, um, then your children are vulnerable because what I believe due to all the stories and all the information that I've gathered over the last several years, and especially ever since we've got mobile devices, right? The iPhone came out in 2007 and the iPad came out in 2010 and that has changed our world. So ever since we've gotten all these mobile devices and kids are getting mobile devices, I say that every school bus in America is a triple X theater. I want to emphasize that for a moment. And also what you just said previously, which is that your kids are vulnerable, whether you know it or not. And those dates that you just gave are interesting because I'm I'm only 30 years old. uh, But this this has moved so quickly that when you say so, I graduated high school in 2006 uh, the first phones I had, you know, I couldn't download porn on them even if I'd wanted to, right? The iPad didn't come out till my final year of university. And so we're almost, like, my generation is in between the generation that just knows about Hustler and Playboy and Penthouse and the generation that has nonstop access to pornography, as you just uh, so rightly said, on the school bus. And just since I started giving lectures on this topic, the age of, of average first exposure to pornography has dropped from age 11 to age 9. And so with, with those facts in mind, um, what, what, are some of the, what are some of the things your research has highlighted about the impact of pornography on these kids that we're talking about? And, and they are kids, not teens. Right, yeah. Um, well, we know that... Uh... 11% of boys and 8% of girls have seen pornography before they were 10 years old. Now this, I think all of this data is old data, right? It's yeah. hard to keep, keep it up to date. Um, 58% of boys and 38% of girls have seen it by age 14. Um, now here's the kicker. 10% of visitors to porn video sites like Pornhub are younger than 10 years old. Wow. And if you look at the group of kids that are 18 and under, that number goes up to 22%. So children under the age of 10 account for 22% of the young people under age 18 who are viewing porn online. So 
when you see that children are going to porn sites, they are seeking out porn under the age of 10, um, you know we've got a problem because any kind of thing that we document is probably just the tip of the iceberg. So it's so important for parents to realize that they are living in a completely different world any time. So I get asked this a lot, like, what's the right age to begin warning children and talking to them about pornography? And I say, along with many other experts, that it's as soon as your child has any access to the Internet. Uh, think about it. As soon as your child can walk and get out the door and run out into the street, you're teaching them don't run out into the street. You're teaching them safety rules. And it's the same with the you know internet, internet superhighway. You have to teach them how to be safe online. So what is the impact on kids if parents don't keep their kids safe? And I've been to, to conferences, you know, put on by the National Center to Combat Sexual Exploitation. I know you have as well. And I remember something Don Hawkins said. Um, I forget uh, which of her children had just been born, but she said something very somberly to the crowd. She says, I now know that I cannot keep my children away from pornography. I have to prepare them for the first time that they see it. And so what is the impact on kids if they do view pornography unprepared? And if, God forbid, as happens so often, they get addicted to pornography at this very, very young age as their brains have barely begun to develop yet? Yeah. So there are a lot of harms to children. So you mentioned addiction. And, of course, not all kids are going to become addicted. But... They know that children, that the kids that are adolescents, the adolescent brain is actually much more um, vulnerable to addiction of any kind um, than, you know, an older person. So if, if you were 25 before you ever were exposed to porn or were ever exposed to drugs or alcohol or anything, you would have a much better chance of not getting addicted. But young children, think of it, they don't have any context for this. Right. Right. They don't, they don't, when they see pornography, they believe that that's what sex is. Um, They, they see the violence, they see the degradation and they're shocked. Uh, But nobody, if nobody's warned them, if nobody's given them a heads up, if no one prepared them to reject uh, pornography, then they're often hold in because of their innate curiosity and um, and believe it or not young children can be sexualized right. in other words they can um, become sexualized to the point where they feel a, a arousal and so it's important to realize that even though they shouldn't be sexual beings they're not ready to be sexual beings if they are uh, exposed to this kind of um, uh, toxic sexual material, um, they can be sexualized at a, a prematurely. So we're talking about um, becoming so uh, involved with pornography that it, it ruins their ability to have relationships mm-hmm. as they grow older. Um, they've done some studies over in Europe that show, I believe it's Germany, 
that showed that um, they were trying to figure out why the marriage rate was going down. Right. What was influencing that? And they they came up with porn. Like porn right. is is bringing the marriage rate down because people are using porn. And porn, the more you use porn, you, often you become isolated. And um, they don't learn how to actually deal with women as, as like equals. And um, they see them in such a different way because of all the pornography they've consumed. That, and, you know, when I t- talk to, you know, kids and teens, especially, I'm like, if you want a healthy relationship, if you want a healthy mind, a, uh, um, a secure job, if you want all these good things for your future, porn will take you in the exact opposite direction from the things that are your, you know, your goals in life. So you said something. So, you said something that was that's important to pick up on on there. You said that children can be sexualized, and that's one of the responses I've gotten from parents who say I I don't think that it's important for me to you know talk to my young children about it because they haven't hit puberty yet because they're not interested in that sort of thing yet. And one of the recent cases that I saw, uh, this is just this is just it's a very recent case in Ireland. It was a very young teen. We're not talking a sixteen seventeen year old person, right? It was a young teen who. Uh, raped a, a much younger boy and the judge while sentencing him explicitly pointed to that young teen's porn use as the thing that had triggered him to do this because of course we know uh that some of some of these behaviors are learned behaviors i've gotten questions from from um, young kids even saying why does my boyfriend want me to do x why does he want to engage in choking all these horrible things we're talking about again teens 13 14 years old and the answer to that is it's not normal because it's a learned behavior and pornography isn't normal. But we've seen this disturbing spike in child-on-child sexual abuse. I've gotten emails from mothers that were just in utter despair. One recent email I got from a mother who gave me permission to, to share the story. I talked about her very young son who had abused his nieces and nephews. And she said the, the trouble started when we gave him an iPhone and he began to look at pornography. Uh, I could cite other stories that that I can't share publicly that are just in a similar vein. Uh, we've seen uh, reports come out in, in in England on this exact subject, and, and and I know that you've done your own research on this subject. So tell our listeners a bit about that reality. That's it's so shocking that I I find a lot of people have uh, have a hard time even believing it because the idea of child on child sexual assault is is so horrible and so foreign to most people, but yet. Pornography is bringing this almost unheard of, you know, wickedness into our culture. Yeah, pornography is molesting the minds of of the children that are viewing it. And, you know, not all children that, you know, watch porn are going to uh, offend on another child. However, the trend is disturbing. Um, I was just, I've been working on this issue for about three or four years seeing it as we have gotten emails, as we, as we have seen stories of people that have um, come forward and said, you know, I was uh, I was molesting my cousins and no one had touched me. I was just watching porn. I watched porn and children are wired to imitate what they see adults do. That's how they grow up. That's how they learn. 
right? Imitation. So when they see adults having, you know, doing, you know, on pornography, doing all the kinds of things they do, um, some of these children are then uh, going to the next step and acting it out on other children. We have, um, I recently had a mom who contacted me uh, and she had been, was actually uh, from last summer, she was watching uh, a little 10-year-old boy that uh, he was friends with her kids and um, her, his mother was a, a, state, um, a single mom and needed childcare during the summer. So she was doing that. Everything was fine for the first month. And then he pulled her seven-year-old daughter into the bathroom and started doing sexual things with her. And when uh, this little girl's mother, the babysitter, basically went to the 10-year-old boy's mother and said, this happened, uh, the mother broke down and admitted that three weeks prior, she had found all, you know, porn of every kind on this boy's iPad. So three weeks from the time that he started watching porn, he started acting out sexually on another vulnerable younger child. Just trying to essentially emulate what he saw. Sure. And you know what? They're all victims. I, I don't, Look at this 10-year-old boy as a monster no, or a no. bad kid. He is simply doing what his mind is programmed to do. And we, as a culture, unfortunately, are at fault for, you know, allowing this kind of material, uh, you know, to be accessible to children. So children do what children do, and that is they imitate what they see adults do. So, um Another piece of information that your audience might might be interested in is um, there's a nurse named uh, Heidi Olson. She is in uh, Kansas. Um, she works at a hospital. She is a uh, SANE nurse, so that's a sexual assault nurse examiner. And so they examine the, the children that come in, and she is... Uh, you know, specialized in, in pediatrics. So she examines the, the children that come in that have been sexually assaulted. And she started to kind of see a trend that pornography was involved. You know, when they would find out who the perpetrator was, maybe an older brother or cousin. And uh, the mother would say, yeah, I know they're into porn. They're watching porn. And so they started to document this. And uh, also document the age of the perpetrator. And they found out, you know, when you graph it all out, the largest group, age group, is 11 to 15 of perpetrators. Wow. 11 to 15-year-old boys. Wow. Why is that? It's porn. And um, so we have to, like, realize that when (laughs) protecting your children from pornography helps not only protect them from, you know, their own issues like addiction um, and relationship issues and just objectifying people um, and being distracted from the other goals that they should be pursuing, but it 
can lead to some of them acting out on other children with harmful sexual behavior. Um, but you, so, made, you made an important point uh, a minute ago when, when you said that it's these children aren't, aren't monsters. Um, and in fact, they're victims of the culture uh, in, in the same way that the, the victims are in many ways. And, and one of the things that I, I found interesting, and I said this uh, to parents and to audiences, is, look, uh, these children didn't choose to grow up in this era. Uh, they didn't choose to live in an era of nonstop 24-7 digital porn. You mentioned the percentage of, of, of uh, Pornhub viewers that are, that are kids. And in 2016 alone, over 500,000 years worth of pornography were viewed on, on Pornhub alone, uh, which yeah. is just an absolutely staggering number. And one of the things I really want anybody listening to understand is that these children did not choose to grow up in a culture where access to pornography is everywhere, but parents are choosing to give them that access, whether they know it or not. Yes. And even if parents are very careful with that access, I think it helps. Uh, but kids can get access through their friends, through libraries, through, you know, other, other means. And so while it's very important to reduce access as much as possible, to use filters, you know, accountability software, uh, parental controls, you also need to realize you know, the extent of the protection, right, doesn't, it's not, they're not fully protected. They have to have an internal filter. They need to be persuaded that, you know, these things are dangerous and they may be alluring. They may, you may be, you know, very curious, um, but they're dangerous. And, and parents need to, you know, then set themselves up as the experts on, you know, questions about sex, questions about, uh, for example, children will go to school. They'll hear a phrase. They won't know what it means or a, or a, or a word, a slang word. They won't know what it means. So they'll do what, you know, we see, um, what, what they see us doing, and that is, Googling it, right? Or looking right. it up or right. asking their, their phone. And they do the same thing and then they get into trouble. So you need to teach them. You know, there are certain things you don't want to Google. And it's just crazy how many things, you know, one, one good thing that Google has done recently is at least put the safe search button or, you know, option up, uh, at the top where you can see it better now. But teaching kids to only search in safe search mode, and just being cautious. Right. Um, but we have to persuade children. You're not going to be able to just dictate this. You're, you need to persuade them, just like everything else, you know. You need to persuade children to take good care of their minds and their bodies. Um, and one other thing I wanted to mention, Jonathan, is that uh, I just was at the... Um, Coalition to End Sexual Exploitation that was put on by the National Center on Sexual Exploitation uh, in D.C. And I had a woman come up to me, and she's like, I teach about this. And a grandmother had come up to her and said, you know, I read Good Pictures, Bad Pictures to my grandson 
and it saved him from sexual abuse. Wow. So we know that perpetrators use pornography to groom children. Right. And this young boy had seen, had been shown pornography. He had been being groomed. And when he told his grandmother, they were able to uh, protect him from the perpetrator and save him from, you know, sexual abuse. So, again, when you protect your children from pornography, you're also helping to protect them from from other kinds of hands-on sexual abuse. Right. I believe that pornography is sexual abuse for a child. Yes, yes. One of the things I, I, I wanted to ask you, just to give our listeners some context before we get into your book and exactly how everybody listening can work to porn-proof their homes and protect the children in their lives, is what started you down this path of working on how to porn-proof homes and, and writing this book, Good Pictures, Bad Pictures, how did you, it's, a lot of people would say that's a resource that was needed, but it's one of the few resources out there. So what's the personal story behind you writing this book and, and this becoming one of your life's missions? Well, I always kind of complain that I don't have a better backstory, but <laughs> <laughs> um, what happened was a, a, a new friend called me up and she said, you know, do you have some time? I, I need to talk. And she told me about this horrendous story of her 17-year-old who had been perpetrating, molesting his younger brothers and sisters. And he had been sexualized at an early age. Um, now, he did have a hands-on perpetrator at the age of six. It was a foster, you know, a sister, actually. But, um, you know, he had become then, you know, kind of, you ring that bell and you can't unring the bell. And so he'd become interested in sexual things. Um, pornography, he then got into pornography, which only accelerated it. Uh, but he was in a, you know, lucky for him, he got in a, a treatment group. And he told me later on that of, you know, the cohort that was going through the treatment, every single one of those boys that were in there um, had started offending other children because they had been using porn. And porn had kind of been the perpetrator. They had begun using, they'd begun perpetrating on other children because they were using porn and wanted to act out the things that they were seeing. So that's how I got started. I, I saw that this was a problem. And I woke up the next morning and I just had this, like, I just felt compelled to find a resource, first of all, for my friend. And I went online to see if I could find a book that she could, you know, read her children about pornography to warn them. I couldn't find that book. And I thought, well, I'm going to write it. And um, I didn't think it was going to be that hard. <laughs> Um, I thought, oh, it'll take, you know, I'll do it this summer. Um, but it took three years. It took a lot of work. It seems really simple, but it, it took a lot of work to get the right organization. And, and we had a lot of parents, uh, give us uh, a lot of feedback. And so that was the beginning of Good Pictures, Bad Pictures, Corn Proofing Today's Young Kids. And we wrote that book for seven, to 11, okay. you know, 7 to 11, 
is about the age range. Although I've had people say that they used it for their younger kids. I've had people, I've had therapists say they use it for their adult clients that have an addiction to porn. Well, you've written a Um, a version for younger kids too, have you not? Yes. So one time I was speaking and a mom came up and she said, are you going to write a book for like preschoolers? And I looked at her. It felt like someone had like sucker punched me. And I'm like, what? And she said, well, they're online. They're on these instruments and I on these devices. And I think we need a book for three-year-olds. And, and I'm like, okay. But I started getting so many people asking me that I decided that I needed to write that book. And so Good Pictures, Bad Pictures, Jr., A Simple Plan to Protect Young Minds, came out in 2017. So now we have both books. And a lot of people use that even for kids up to eight. It's like a very easy, gentle way to get into it. And then um, the other book goes more into the brain science of addiction but, you know, at a level that even a seven-year-old can understand. So, um, but both books accomplish three main goals. Okay. So the first goal is just to give kids a simple age-appropriate definition. Not the whole enchilada, right? Not not the whole horrible thing. Right, the stuff we're Um, discussing. Yeah. We're not going to give them, you know you know, what porn really is, we're going to just start with, basically, it's a definition of nudity. So pornography is pictures of people with little or no clothing on that focus on the private parts of the body that we keep covered with a swimsuit. And um, that's the the definition that we basically use. Um, in good pictures, bad pictures, uh, the older ones, the older kids, we go in and we talk about how, um, you know, the uh, how um, the how people feel pulled to it, how kids may how it makes you feel. In other words, not just maybe what it is, but how it makes you feel. Um, but basically, kids just need enough information so that they can recognize it. Because let me tell you, if kids are online and they're seeing nudity. More than likely, they're not looking at a picture of the Sistine Chapel or the David, right? Right. Um, and so more than likely, it is pornography or some kind of very hypersexualized image or, or video. Now, if they do come across or you do take them to a museum, right, and you see something that you would consider art and not pornography, then, you know, that's another discussion that you can have. And that's another layered-on discussion. Um, but it's difficult to be nuanced with young children. You just got to give them kind of a simple definition. But we do have on Protect Young Minds, we do have an article called Art Versus Porn. And it gives you some, some talking points and some explanation of how to explain the difference between art that does have maybe has some nudity or and pornography. So let's. So that's that's the that's the first thing. Right. That's the first part is the definition. The second is a warning of how it can be harmful to you, and the third is a plan 
So kids need to know a definition, a warning that it's harmful and how it can be harmful, and number three, a plan, what to do when they see it. So let's start at the beginning. There's going to be uh, uh, some parents that are listening to this right now who are just going to feel overwhelmed, and they're going to say, okay, I have a bunch of young kids, um, and I know a lot of people with young kids listen to this podcast, and they're going to say, where do, where do I start? So I, I order the book, Good Pictures, Bad Pictures, and where, where can that be ordered a moment? So you can get that on Amazon. You can go to protectyoungminds.org to find out more about it as well. Um, we wrote these books. I wrote these books to be a script. Right. Um, a script that a parent can use that's been tested, um, that's been vetted, and and so it's it's very um, easy, comfortable, simple. Kids love these books. They like to feel empowered. They like to feel like you're trusting them with important information. And so now as you read these books, you can change up the script if you want. You can add, you know, you can subtract, but it gets you started. And the junior book is very simple and it has some um, great pictures in it. And what one thing that we've done with it is to put in a um, hidden cameras throughout the book and kids love to look for them, you know. And uh, that keeps them very, very excited about it. Right. And um, so I would say begin, if you have very young children, begin with the junior version. And then, uh, you know, keep it out. Kids love these books and read it to them, not just one time, several times, regularly. Um, and then move up to the Good Pictures, Bad Pictures, Porn Proofing Today's Young Kids version uh, when they get to be six, seven, eight. Uh, years old, and they can understand more, and um, they really love uh, that book because it talks about their brain. There are two brains. So we all have a thinking brain and a feeling brain, and of course, that's very, very simplified, uh, but um, this helps children differentiate between, you know, their cravings, the, you know, the things that their feeling brain wants, and what their thinking brain needs to regulate and put the brakes on, right? So we use a lot of great analogies in Good Pictures, Bad Pictures uh, to um, help children understand their two brains and how to keep their thinking brain in charge. And what I've heard from parents is that they use this not only to help kids uh, protect their brain from, you know, content that is harmful, but also in all kinds of parenting situations, you can say, now, are you using your feeling brain or are you using your thinking brain? Right. You know, the feeling brain is that brain that, you know, wants to eat three pieces of, you know, cake or whatever, or, or gets mad maybe and wants to hit somebody. So how do we bring our thinking brain online? And it's, it's very, actually, it's a great parenting tool for all kinds of situations. So. That's a great first step. If parents are listening, first, I like, and I, I'll let everybody know, I have a stack of these books. Uh, not only do our, our, my wife and I going to use them with our children, but we, we hand them out liberally when we can because it's such an important resource. For the parents who are listening and thinking, what do I say first? 
what you're saying is the script is in your book, correct? How would you suggest, just give a practical tip or two for, for, for starting the, the conversation, especially for a parent who's just profoundly uncomfortable with this sort of discussion and just feels like they don't know where to begin? Yeah. So um, sometimes parents will use cues in their environment. They'll see, you know, an, a magazine cover, a sign, you know, at the mall. Um, and and they'll say, you know, those pictures um, aren't aren't good. And I'll tell you why. And they'll just start like that. And um, there are we actually have a a, a a conversation starter guide on our website. So you can go to resources page and you can get that. We also have a quick start guide that helps parents just really get up to speed on information and um, how to talk to kids and uh, lots of tips in there. I would say, you know, this sounds kind of like a shameless plug, but the book is designed for that parent that, uh, especially for the parents that, you know, are struggling with, with, uh, with, you know, beginning this conversation. Um, and I would just say, get the book and just read it just like any other book that you would read with your child. And it won't be, like, we feel all uncomfortable, right? But kids, you know, they don't necessarily, especially if they're young, they take all their cues from us. Right. So they don't, you know, we we provide the context. And so if we're just saying, hey, you know, we've got another book to read to you about being safe online and, uh we need to talk about this, and then you just read it. They accept it. They they do, and they don't. They don't. Now, if you start with a thirteen-year-old, well, it might be a little more awkward, right, right? Right. But if you start with a three-year-old, there's no awkwardness. It's just, oh, okay, all right. You know, they just accept it and go on. And we're not giving them. We're not. It's not like we're taking all the awfulness of porn. And just by saying the word or by telling them about it, we're putting it in their brain. Right, no, right, we right. are we are arming these kids. We're protecting them. We're giving them the tools to turn away, and they do. Especially young children, they will do it. They. I have so many stories of um, parents who taught their kids, then their kids were exposed, and the kid they knew what to do. One nine-year-old boy. Uh, his mom read him good pictures, bad pictures. A few days later at school, he was, you know, he was shown pornography by a fellow student. And he came home and he said, Mom, I was scared, but I knew what to do. And I love that story because it, yeah. it shows that children, they need our help, right? They can't face this alone. And we don't have a crystal ball, right? We don't know exactly when they'll be exposed to pornography. Um, so this, I say, hashtag sooner is safer. Yes, yes. Hashtag sooner is safer. So when, because, what age specifically should people start talking to their kids about porn? Well, it's at the age that they have any access to the internet. And what so age is that considering the fact that they might have access from friends or on the playground or you name yeah. it? Yeah. Yeah. So I don't know. I, I start from a very young age. 
I've had parents read the junior book to two and a half year olds. I have a I have a year and a half year old grandson. My daughter has already started reading this book to him. It, he is going to just grow up knowing that there's good and bad in the world. Right. And we, we're teaching, you know, we teach them about other good and bad things. So why not about this? So it's, it's, um, I'll tell you another story. There was an 11 year old girl whose mother read her good pictures, bad pictures. They sat down and read it together. And, um, this little, this girl, she's in fifth grade. They went on a field trip. They're in the bus. And uh, a boy came and said, hey, look at this. Now, she was sitting next to her friend, her girlfriend. And um, she she saw what it was, and she saw that it was porn, and she turned away, and she says, I'm not looking at that. But guess what her friend did? What's that? Kept looking. Because her friend hadn't been warned. Right. So this is what happens when children are not born. Their curiosity gets the best of them. They don't automatically know to turn away until unless we teach them. Yeah, yeah. And they don't automatically know to come and tell us because we haven't asked them to. Yeah. So I guess my, my final question would be if you had five minutes to convince an audience of skeptical parents who, uh, and I'll just reel off a few of the excuses I hear. My kids aren't like that. We keep them away from the internet. Um, you know, they're, they're not ready for that discussion yet. And you had five minutes to respond to those excuses. And I'm sure you've heard a thousand of, you know, just like them. What would you say to make the pitch for people to get good pitchers, bad pitchers, to go and make use of these resources and to start talking to their kids? I would say that there's only two, you have two choices. One, plan is the cross your fingers plan and hope that your kids are going to be abnormal and not be curious about nudity because as biological beings we are all curious and uh and hopefully you have a crystal ball so that the day before or the week before they get it exposed you will know to start talking to them um, but that's the cross your fingers plan and it doesn't work. Um, the second plan is the protect young minds plan, which is start young, uh, make it a normal part of, you know, all the other kinds of parenting things you do to keep your kids safe and prepare them, give them a chance to reject this material before it becomes, you know, uh, something that is infecting their mind. I have heard so many stories of parents that put it off, put it off, didn't know, and then, you know, only to find out that it's on their phone or it's on the iPad. And now, uh, now it's a whole different ball game. You know, now we're not talking prevention. We're talking intervention. Um, young children are, even if you have the best kids, good mm-hmm. kids, get pulled into this. Yep. It has nothing to do with how good they are. It just has everything to do with how enticing and devious the porn industry is. So um, 
Don't let your children be vulnerable to this. Prepare them with a plan. Help them to know what to do. Relieve them of that burden so that they have an ally and a mentor uh, so that they know to come to you when they see these things and when they're exposed. Uh, they, They need to know what to do and someone needs to tell them. And it really is um, the parents' responsibility to protect their children. And seriously, if if we didn't need books like this, we didn't need resources like this, if parents didn't need to talk to their children uh, from a young age so that they're not only protected from addiction, but protected from um, sextortion, you know, children are getting uh, groomed online. They're they're playing this innocent online game for kids, and yet predators are contacting them. The FBI says sextortion, meaning children getting extorted for for photographs that are increasingly more sexual. Um, This is something that is happening uh, at an alarming rate. The FBI uh, had a report that said this is, you know, one of the major problems uh, among children. So, Give your kids a chance to grow up and thrive in the digital age free from uh, the harms of, of pornography and the harms of sexual abuse. And not only that, you know, the unthinkable of, you know, your child perpetrating or harming another child in a sexual way. You, you just don't want that to happen. Yeah. And you can talk to your kids. It's not that bad. It's not going to hurt them. It is going to prepare them to live in the world that we live in. That's right. Right? <laughs> yeah. So one more time, where can people find all those resources you've been mentioning? Well, they can go to protectyoungminds.org. Okay. And uh, we have a quick start guide. We have a smart plan guide for parents that have unfortunately found out that their children have uh, been looking at pornography. We have um, another guide for parents that may want to put on an event in their own community and start educating their community. We also have a, a resource page has lots of uh, free downloadable guides, conversation starters, uh, posters, all kinds of free resources that augment uh, the books, um, good pictures, bad pictures books. So we just want to help parents. We just want to give them tools to make this conversation so much easier and effective to protect kids. Well, thank you so much for coming on and sharing all this essential advice with us. You're very welcome. It's been a pleasure. Ladies and gentlemen, that was my conversation with Kristen Jensen of Protect Young Minds and the author of Good Pictures, Bad Pictures. I would like to urge anybody who has kids to go out and buy this book. Anybody who doesn't have kids, go buy this book, give it to somebody who does. We need to get this problem right. We need to confront the issue of pornography because I truly believe that if pornography continues to run rampant within our communities, the impacts on our communities are going to be seen in less than a generation. We cannot exaggerate the size and scale of what pornography is doing to marriages, doing to families, doing to churches, doing to communities. So start today. Start today by ordering these resources. Go to Protect Young Minds. 
Org. Check out the resources they have there and start working at making sure that those around you and those that you love will not be destroyed by pornography addiction. I have talked to so many people who have been destroyed by it, and all I can say is please, please do not make the same mistakes. If you'd like to check out other articles on the most important cultural issues of the day, head over to LifeSiteNews.com where you can also check out previous episodes of this podcast. Thank you so much for listening this week, and we do hope you'll join us again next week.